our readings this morning uh, give us a wonderful look at uh, two kinds of authority and one thing that is greater than either. And we'll dig into each of them uh, together and ultimately apply it to, uh, even deeper at the end. Um, but it's worth noting how this is a, a kind of a, a familiar theme uh, for Lutheran doctrine when, because of how the Reformation uh, arose amidst great conflict uh, between uh, the church that had become a state in itself uh, and the state that uh, was left on its own if the, the church was at war with them. And uh, Luther developed a really strong understanding, therefore, of the, the relationship between secular authority and church authority, uh, that church and state are, are partners in God's plan, not rivals uh, and not even strangers. Uh, that uh, secular authority is not the enemy of the church, uh, nor is it an extension of the church. Uh, while the churchly authority isn't the enemy of the state, nor is it an extension of the state. But both fill their proper sphere in God's plan uh, where he has established authority in different realms uh, to govern our lives in an organized and orderly way uh, to prevent anarchy. And this is one of God's great blessings to us, which, like all God's great blessings, the devil also seeks to twist and use to our harm. And so it's good for us to understand how God has arranged the world in a systematic, orderly way uh, uh, for us uh, to obey and serve for the good of ourselves as well as all those around us. Uh, in our epistle lesson, uh, Romans 13 uh, deals very specifically uh, with the idea of temporal authority. Uh, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against uh, the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And that God has instituted earthly authority, uh, which we should therefore respect and honor uh, out of reverence to God. Um, because he is the one who instituted and ordained uh, that life should proceed in this way. The context of this is important to recognize because it's not just talking about government per se. Uh, we would uh, think about presidents and legislatures and governors and so on. Uh, but we can see throughout Scripture that uh, the uh, civil government is really just one manifestation or extension of uh, the uh, general pattern that God wrote into creation with uh, the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother, uh, where uh, secular civil philosophers have suggested that uh, each man is born free, and that we are independent and autonomous, self-sovereign individuals, uh, that's really the farthest thing from true. 
philosophers uh, who inspired many of our founding fathers in the U.S. suggested that we could think of man as almost having sprung up independently out of the ground in the forest like mushrooms uh, because each man is born free. But of course, people don't spring up out of the ground like mushrooms, do they? Uh, that we're not born free, we're born helpless and under the protection and authority of parents. And uh, obedient submission uh, to parents is written right into the Ten Commandments. It's the foundation of our interaction with our neighbor. Uh, that after dealing with our, uh, our relationship with God in the first three commandments, the very first commandment dealing with our neighbor is honor your father and mother. Because submission to the, the most basic form of authority uh, is necessary for all of life to hang together. And we see that in uh, many different aspects of life as we grow older. Uh, the uh, uh, command to submit to the governing authorities is echoed very familiarly in the context of marriage in Ephesians 5. Wives, submit to your husbands, which is also in Colossians 3, uh, 1 Peter 3, uh, Titus 2, that uh, servants, submit to your masters and obey your masters. Uh, again, in uh, Titus 2, 1 Peter 2, Colossians and Ephesians. Citizens uh, submit to the civil authorities. Uh, the children obey your parents. Wives submit to your husband. Servants submit to your masters. Citizens submit to the government. That God has established authority throughout life for our benefit. Uh, that we may thrive in an orderly uh, way. The temporal institutions, uh, meaning uh, it's a kind of word you only hear in church mostly, but those institutions that are rooted in time uh, in this world that are not eternal institutions, but uh, temporal institutions, are invested and uh, instituted by God uh, to administer temporal consequences and to make decisions in temporal matters. When you think about it, a government isn't going to exist in heaven. We're not going to have a president and a Supreme Court and police officers in heaven. Those are earthly things uh, to deal with earthly matters. Even marriage, uh, God, Jesus tells us that there will not be giving or receiving in marriage in heaven, but will be like the angels. Uh, the order of marriage is a temporal institution that is governed in, within the context of temporal authority. The labor economy, uh, servants uh, submit to your masters, to your employers or supervisors, or what, whatever we call them these days. Uh, that again, we're not going to have uh, burger flippers or uh, uh, supervisors in heaven. That's a temporal institution uh, that God has given us in this time to administer uh, his temporal gifts. And we give glory to God and serve our neighbor by observing this created order as God intended it. Uh, that neither uh, uh, 
condemning it or demeaning it as unspiritual or irreligious, uh, nor exaggerating it as being the pinnacle of our identity, uh, security, and meaning in life. Uh, That God has given us these temporal relationships to be governed by temporal authority uh, as a blessing that is truly uh, holy, even if it is not eternal. And because it is holy, we should cherish it and observe it as such, and yet not confuse it with those things that are eternal, uh, that earthly temporal authority should never fill the full role of religion, of course. And it will inevitably come apart at the seams uh, if we try to do so. And we actually see that happening in society today as more and more uh, authority structures are idolized um, because that's ultimately where atheism leads. As atheism grows, uh, the uh, concept of authority uh, can only fill the, the role of religion or it's left behind entirely. Because atheism must take the form of anarchy or totalitarianism. That if we, because we can't actually serve no one or nothing. We either serve ourselves above all and our anarchists, or we have to put earthly power structures uh, in the place of the eternal divine ones that we uh, have disavowed and made government a god which has all power and omnipotence. Um, Atheism, which is so uh, aggressively spreading throughout our culture, uh, is part of the reason we see the idolization of government and the inability of government to fulfill that role is why so much conflict results. God has given us temporal authority to serve a temporal purpose uh, that we receive with thanksgiving and follow as a gift of God uh, that is holy because it comes from him. And yet we keep in mind that it is not eternal. The eternal uh, things Christ has given to the church. And we read about that in our gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 18. Uh, where Jesus calls the church uh, to uh, seek and to save the lost, to proclaim the, uh, the law and gospel. If your brother sins, go and call him to repentance, uh, to proclaim God's law, the eternal consequences of sin, that the wages of sin is death, that your brother may repent and receive the forgiveness of sins. God has established an organized church and ecclesiastical authority, uh, the church authority, uh, which we should also respect and receive with thanksgiving uh, because this is a a command and institution of God. It's, again, popular in our our culture and society to think of being more uh, spiritual than religious, Uh, To look down on the organized church as a corruption of the pure spiritual ideas of Christ. 
but one of Christ's pure spiritual ideas was to organize a church. That it was Jesus who said, wherever two or more of you are gathered in my name, there I am with you. He didn't call his disciples to go out on their own and isolate themselves, but to gather. And that he promised them that he would be with them in the gathering uh, together. Uh, not just here, but throughout the New Testament. Uh, he's, God's word consistently uh, calls us not to forsake the gathering together of believers, as some have done, but all the more so as we see the day approaching uh, to maintain that uh, communal relationship uh, with one another. Uh, throughout uh, the Gospels, we see both here and in Matthew 16 and John 21, Jesus' promise of the forgiveness of sins that he attaches uh, to the formation of the church. In Timothy and Titus, we specifically have God's word uh, instructing uh, for the calling of pastors uh, to lead the church and uh, for instruction uh, to the people uh, to heed their pastors and care for them. And that God has ordained and instituted a church, as we all know, because uh, you're here, uh, that it is God's purpose, not just something we do to... Uh, because it's nice to be with like-minded individuals. Uh, the church is God's institution and plan for how his sheep are to be cared for. Which makes sense when you think about sheep. After all, sheep don't run around alone, do they? Sheep gather in flocks uh, for a reason. The common sense, if nothing else, uh, should tell us that there's safety in numbers and we benefit from gathering together uh, just as God has ordained for us to do and instructs us. In our all too individualistic culture, it's easy to despise the institutions uh, of the church, the organization of uh, the, the organized church. Um, but this is God's plan, and we honor him and are blessed ourselves uh, by receiving it. So you see, secular authority deals with temporal consequences. Uh, ecclesiastical authority deals with eternal truths. Both are divinely instituted by God to fulfill those purposes and are a great blessing for us when we cooperate with God's institution. We do well to heed them. But which is greater, secular authority or church authority? At the beginning of the sermon, I said this is going to be about two kinds of authority in one thing, that is greater than the either, either. The fact is that neither is greater. For one thing, the question implies that there's a, a, a combat uh, between the two. Uh, one would be able to overrule the other, and as I said, they, ideally they would never overlap. 
Both have full authority in their own sphere and no authority outside it. Uh, as Christians in government, by virtue of a democratic system, we exist in both spheres, and that can sometimes be confusing. But government as government has no place proclaiming the forgiveness of sins, uh, while church as church uh, has no place in pulling someone over for speeding. Now, if I were a, a pastor and a police officer, then I would forgive sins and pull people over for speeding. But I wouldn't uh, proclaim the forgiveness of sins in my police uniform or pull people over in my alb. Uh, that the clarity of roles should be maintained. The real answer, though, is, is deeper and bigger then neither has greater authority. Uh, that uh, this was uh, the big uh, part of Jesus' answer uh, when uh, his disciples argued over who's greater. Is it secular power or religious power? Is it the king or the pope? Well, Jesus says this one. It's the little child. Not you specifically. The, uh, the, uh. But all who are like children. To be like a child is to be greater than the ruler. And that's the fundamental reality that is so important to understanding this. Because it, it's the very core of it. And because it's what the devil is so successfully twisted in modern society by telling the lie that power equals value, strength equals success, authority equals superiority. And that's completely false. It's completely false because we see that Jesus himself, the greatest being in the universe, took a place of submission. That he became obedient even to the point of death on a cross. As he came not to be served, but to serve. And gave his life as a ransom for many. It even says in Luke chapter 2, uh, when Jesus returned home uh, with his parents, he was submissive to them. Even Jesus submitted to his parents. Does that mean Mary and Joseph were greater than him? No, of course not. It means God ordained that children should honor their parents and submit to them, that parents are in authority over their children, even if their children are smarter than them, even if their children are all-knowing and divine. Jesus submitted to his parents. And if he can do that, we can certainly work within God's system too, can't we? Because the devil would tell us, the devil uses this uh, to say, if you're not in a position of authority, uh, then uh, you're, you're nobody. Uh, to, to drive people into uh, self-loathing and, and disrespect and, and to uh, harm their sense of value to say that if uh, you're uh, submit in a submissive position in life, if you're not in leadership, if you're not in authority, then you're being marginalized. You're being oppressed. If fight back. 
uh, uses that to, to destroy what God has instituted and to make people dissatisfied and unhappy in life. Well, he, he goes to the people who are in authority and says, you're better. Look down on them. They're just tools for your happiness and induces those who are in authority and leadership positions to harmful, self-destructive pride, which harms themselves as well as everyone uh, whom God has given them to serve. That Jesus shows us uh, by his servant leadership, this self-sacrifice, that it is the meek who inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's no shame in being submissive. In fact, he calls that the greatest. To be the least is to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And that's hard for us to, to wrap our minds around. But we honestly find a true happiness and thrive most in life when we do understand that God has instituted authority to be a blessing for us. That doesn't mean all authorities will be a blessing for us because not everyone is good at their job. Uh, But when we honor uh, the, the system God has created and do our best to fill our role in that system, whatever that role may be of obedient submission or servant leadership, we do honor God and put ourselves and others in a position to succeed. That's why God has given us uh, this great gift. And ultimately, we will see that come to the greatest fruition when Christ comes again and all things are put in submission to him directly. As we have complete access to God an eternal fellowship with him forever, still in a state of submission in heaven, uh, but in a state of perfection as we are in that perfect relationship with God himself, who is the perfect leader and will fulfill all our needs in the most perfect and blessed way forever. And may that peace is beyond all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until the day of his glorious return. Amen.